You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Somewhat May series. I love this. I'm, I was honored and a little bit terrified that I'm the first one preaching in the series. I'm like, sometimes I like to listen to what other people say and the Lord really motivates me and points me in a direction and then I preach. But this time... I was a blank slate and I started writing my message and I wrote all the things that came to mind first, like live above reproach, be a flexible person, like all the good Joyce Meyer teaching, all the things that came to me first that I naturally love to preach about. And then the Lord was like, actually, you're going to preach on something else. And I'm like, okay, great. What does that look like, Lord? And then the Lord began to download this message, which I I love this message because I know it's straight from the Lord, because it wouldn't be what I would typically choose to preach on. But I think this series could not have come at a better time. In the world that we're living in, in 2022, with two years behind us of what seems like the world is falling apart, what I can see and what we've prophesied, Pastor Leon even said from the very beginning of what started one of the most chaotic times of our generation is a time of sifting. And the Bible talks about this. And you know, the Bible doesn't sit there and say, you know, in 2020, the world's going to almost fall apart and the Christians are going to have to rise up and you're going to test, faith is going to be tested and gives you A plus B equal C. No, that's not how the word of God works. The way that it works is that we see with our spiritual eyes. We come from a kingdom mindset. And so when the word talks about this great sifting, I believe it's talking about the time now, what we're facing now. And what we've seen that looks like division is actually creating a stronger unity in the Christian faith. And what what we have seen as what might seem like things are falling apart, actually things are coming together. If you call yourself a Christian, And so we face things in our life and we must be able to develop a spirit of come what may, come what may, when the storms of life are facing, when it seems like 2022 is (laughs) almost just like 2020, but different, that we must face this season and this time and even in our personal worlds with a spirit of come what may. So this timing, this song could not have come in a better time. You know, the worship albums that are written through our church are heavenly inspired. We aren't just sitting down and thinking of cool words that rhyme together. Our mission is to is to pierce the atmosphere of the world. Our mission is to come into the atmospheres of homes and cars where people might be slapping their kids because they're arguing in the back, but then they have a spirit of peace come over them because it is straight from heaven. These are heavenly words that you can hang your life on. These are heavenly words. Come what may, I will stand strong. I will not give up. The darkness must flee in the name of Jesus. So I want to begin with this scripture, 1 Peter 4, 12 to 16, and I chose the message version on purpose. I don't typically read the message version, but this really struck my mind and my heart, and I wanted to bring it to you today. It says this, friends, see, we're friends. When life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. If you're abused because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. If the spirit of God and his glory in you that brought you to the notice of others, if they're on you because you broke the law or disturbed the peace, that's a different matter. It's a different message for a different day. 
But if it's because you're a Christian, don't give it a second thought. Be proud of the distinguished status reflected in that name. It's judgment time for God's own family. We are first in line. If it starts with us, think what it's going to be like for those who refuse God's message. If good people barely make it, what's in store for the bad? So if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, take it in stride. Trust him. He knows what he's doing and he'll keep on doing it. Amen. Amen to that. Okay. So that scripture is from 1 Peter. Now, the ironic thing is that Peter is writing these letters and writing these words to Christians back in the day who are being faced with Roman law, similar to what we're facing today, laws, restrictions, government overreach. And Peter's writing these letters to encourage the Christians. And so I love that because if you look at the journey of what God took Peter on from where he started to where he finished— is a drastic transformation. God chose Peter, who was often known, you know, he he was called Simon. The Lord changed his name to Peter. And he was often known, he he was a fisherman. He, He just started as a plain old fisherman. And so as we look at Peter's journey go by, he starts to get this reputation that he's a little bit crazy. He's a little bit like my husband asked this morning, what are you preaching on today? I said, Peter. And my husband said, why aren't you preaching on me? (sighs) True story. This actual conversation happened. Why aren't you preaching about me? I'm like, well, you're kind of like Peter. (laughs) I love you, babe. These are just real conversations in our family. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. But Peter was known as a little outlandish, a little crazy, a little random, a little impulsive, ambitious, and a little bit self-assertive. And Jesus, the Lord, takes him on a journey from a fisherman known as Simon into this incredible disciple who builds the church and at that point is able to encourage Christians when they're faced, when they're faced with shutdowns and the things that we're faced with. And I'm really comparing to what it is today in today's age because things were different but parallel different but similar. And we see through the eyes of the kingdom that we can see that we can compare what was happening in that time to what is happening in today. So what happens is is Peter says, yes, I'll follow you. Jesus calls Peter his rock. Peter witnesses the miraculous and then he chops off an ear of some soldier. He's crazy. He's impulsive trying to protect Jesus. And then he's so impulsive. He tries to protect Jesus. Jesus rebukes him. And then he denies Jesus. All of these things happen in the life of Peter is so interesting. It's like a it's like a roller coaster ride up and down. Oh wow, he's awesome. Oh wait, what happened to Peter? He builds the church. 3000 people come after they're filled with the Holy Spirit. He's also in jail at one point. Praises his way through, gets out of jail. And we find him in 1 Peter writing these letters to encourage the Christians who are being so far um discouraged in that time, feeling so far discouraged in that time. And so Peter, Jesus chooses Peter because he took the adversity and the trials and the mistakes he encountered and continue to love Jesus without hesitating. There's so much to pull out of the life of Peter, but today I wanted to choose a few points, a few highlights from the story of him so that we can develop a come what may spirit, a come what may attitude in our own lives when we face similar situations in our lives. Amen. All right, so the title of this message is Cray, Cray, 
faith. Cray, cray, faith. Because you got to be a little cray, cray. Let's be honest. To live in 2022 and keep your faith sane, I mean, God will be just be a little cray, cray. In the right, in the right ways, in the right ways. Point number one is this: be in the presence. Be in the presence. Once Peter starts to follow Jesus, he witnesses the unimaginable, unimaginable, and even experiences a healing that is personal to him. So as soon as Peter starts following Jesus, he literally starts to encounter the most crazy days of his life. Could you imagine? He's fishing on a boat one day, and the next day he's witnessing spirits being cast out of people. And then Jesus comes to his mother-in-law's house, and it says this in Mark 1.29. It says, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law, so near and dear to her, his heart. You know, I don't think he had mother-in-law issues because he was very excited that Jesus would heal his mother-in-law. <laughs> Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with the fever slash COVID, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever slash COVID left her, and she began to wait on them. So beautiful. What I see from this story in this portion of Peter's journey is that Jesus doesn't wait to reveal himself just because Peter's a newbie. Just because Peter's a new follower, he was the first one with his brother, Andrew. Just because he was the first doesn't mean that Jesus was willing to hold back the miracles and spood feed it to him. And I find it quite the opposite. Even in churches now, you will see people getting healed and set free. And it's like their salvation is come full circle. You see people get saved powerfully after they experience the power and presence of God. And that's what happens with Peter. Peter's just going along for the ride. All right, this guy can teach me how to fish. I'm going to follow him. And then all of a sudden, he's seeing all these crazy miracles. And the other thing it tells me is that Jesus cares about our personal world. Peter's a newbie. Jesus doesn't necessarily know the guy all too well to this point because he was the first disciple. Obviously, Jesus knew he wanted him in his circle. So he knows some things about him. He knew his, the state of his heart. And also, he, he chose Peter knowing the state of his heart and what might come. Jesus chose Peter, and then he cares so much about Peter, despite all the craziness part of Peter, that he goes and heals his mother-in-law. See, Jesus cares about the public. He cares about the private. He cares about that thing in your heart that you've been praying for, that you've been longing after, that you've been wanting, your mother-in-law that might be sick. Jesus cares about her. And so what I can see here is that this is what creates in Peter a come-what-may spirit. He's starting to become full of faith. He gets to see the miraculous. He gets to spend time with Jesus. And ultimately, he's in the presence of Jesus. It is in the presence of Jesus where we can see the miraculous move, where we can encounter Jesus, where we can see the power of God move in and through our lives and in and through the people around us. You know, I was so excited. My husband touched on it a little bit, but our friends that came to church this morning and, and loved it so much, he shared during the offering message. This was a personal victory in my spirit, as well as my husband's. My husband actually, actually the one who made the invite, so I have to give him credit. But these people we met a long time ago out at our river house, three, uh, three hours away. So we met these people, and we connected with them. We liked them. And then word on the street was that we were buying the home that we just bought a month ago on this street. And this couple came up to us at the river and said, hey, are you the ones buying the house on 
blankety blank. And my husband said, yeah, that's us. And the guy goes, well, we live four houses down from that house. And my husband's like, oh my gosh, dude, that's so awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. And I don't know if my husband invited him to church right away. Who, I don't, who knows? Probably not. But we connected. We connected. And so our, we come to find out our girls go to the same school two miles down the road. We live four houses down. And then they're like talking about how they've been looking for a good church. And then they come to our 9 a.m. service at San Marcos today and get their world's rocks. And like, that is such a personal victory to me. I'm like, Jesus cares about these personal things. Our Lord is a public God and he's a private God. He cares about the big, he cares about the small. Hang with Jesus to develop a come what may spirit. Be in the presence of God, attend church, worship God, pray, read your Bible, fill your atmospheres with his presence. Amen? All right, going strong, number two. Stay with me. Gets better. In it to win it. Test your faith. Number two, test your faith. So I can only imagine, here's Peter. He spent some time with Jesus. He's seen these miracles happen. His mother-in-law's been healed. He's gaining some rapport. Like, Peter's like, I made the right decision. This is so epic. Like, I am with the right guy. <laughs> and then he finds himself on a boat. Peter finds himself on a boat with the disciples. And this is where he has to test his faith. This is where he has to go, okay, this isn't all about just hanging with Jesus. Now I got to be like Jesus. Now I got to test my faith in Jesus. And here's what happens in Matthew 14, 22. It says this, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside to pray by himself. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. Ooh, that's comforting. <laughs> Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down off the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have a little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And then they climbed in the boat. The wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Peter had a moment where he had to take everything he knew in his head, everything he knew in his heart, everything he had witnessed, and put it into action for himself. And what I have found, even for myself in the last couple of years, is we have got to be the ones responsible to put our own faith into action. Listen, I'm a pastor. I'm like, I'm in the right place. I'm around the right people. I'm in church every week. Yet, I still have to test my faith. My, my faith still gets tested just as yours does. And that's the danger that we can face when we become around the right circles and we get our life on track and around the right people. That can become something that takes place of our own personal faith walk with the Lord. You know, I was faced with a test of faith a couple weeks ago. And if you watch my Instagram, you already heard this story. But I wanted to tell it again because I went into a certain place on the night of Christmas. And I had very dirty hair. 
and I really wanted a blow dry. It was night of Christmas. I just wanted to have pretty hair for the evening because you're not supposed to be formal dressed up and everything. And I'm like going to get my hair did. It's going to be so good. And I walked in and from here to the piano distance, the lady starts screaming at me about wearing a mask. And I'm like, like, she's so mean. I'm like, at least if you're going to say that, be nice. And I'm just kept walking towards her. And I'm like, no, I won't wear a mask. And at first I was like really nervous. And she's like, well, you have to, if you want to get a blow dry. And I'm like, well, I actually don't have to, and I don't want to, so I'm not going to. And she's like, well, then we're not going to serve you. And I'm like, okay. And I had a moment. I, I'm, tell, I'm telling you, my faith was tested. And not to say that my faith in Jesus was tested, but because I believe in Jesus, I believe in freedom. And so I believe in freedom to choose. And so I, my, my faith was tested. And listen, I hang out with Pastor Samuel Duth. I know all the stuff. I am smart when it comes to politics, kind of. <laughs> I, I knew it was my right to say no. And so for a hot second, I was like, well, maybe I just put it on for half an hour. Like, this is the devil on this shoulder, and this is the angel over here. Maybe just put it on for half an hour so you have pretty hair. No, what are you flipping doing? You don't believe in that? <sighs> there was a moment, and I, I almost did it. I almost did it. But what I realized in the whole point of the story, the point of the story is not about masks. The point of the story is not about my argument with the lady. The point of the story is not to shut that place down, maybe. It's not. Un poquito. The point of that story is I was tested in my convictions. And how often do we need to be tested in our convictions to act out the faith that we know in our head and we know in our heart, but actually take stepping out? And it was in that moment I actually had to take the step and say, okay, sorry, cancel my membership. I will not be getting a blow dry. <laughs> Walk away crying. <laughs> But then I found a lady who was very amazing and did it, and she was not busy, and she needed the money, and then I got my hair blow-dried, and it was amazing. <laughs> See, what happens when we get distracted or off point or our focus changes, we begin to sink, and the world's voice is fear. The voice of the world in this season, they have captured this evil voice that knows can manipulate and control people. And they have deciphered a way to get it to try to shake us. But if you are a come what may believer and spirit, the voice of the world and the voice of fear will not shake you when you step out in faith. Let's not sink like Peter did. See, Peter did that and sunk, so we have the example, so we don't have to do it ourselves. But the good news is, if we do do it and we sink, then there's Jesus ready and willing to pick us up and set us back on track. Amen. One of my husband and I face one of the biggest faith challenges in our life, you know, way bigger than the blow dry experience, way bigger. <laughs> We just, we just, by the grace and hand of Jesus, Lord Almighty, thank you, Jesus, and I honor him for this, just moved into our miracle dream home. Thank you, Jesus. He deserves a clap, yes. And the reason I wanted to share this story is not to brag on ourselves or 
do anything but give honor to God, but tell you that it was a journey and a faith journey. And my husband and I experienced this on a different way in different levels and processed it very differently. You know, like one hand, he was like, the Lord said it. We can do this. Come on, babe, get, let's do this. It's going to be so awesome. We're going to live there. And I'd be like, are you sure? And then the next day I'd be like, babe, this is so amazing. See, the Lord confirmed to me. Well, I don't know. It's a lot, babe. So we just went back and forth, back and forth, but our faith sustained. And there was a point where nobody in the world except Pastor Jurgen and the Lord said that, that they believe this is our home with us because everyone's looking at us like, you're a little cry cry. You got a little cry cry faith. If you think you're going to get that house. And my husband's mother was one of them that believed with us in the cray-cray faith, so I honor her for that as well. But it was a faith journey. I'm telling you, the last time that I had to stretch my faith personally on that level was believing for three miraculous kids. And glory be to God that we got each and every one of those miraculous three babies. But now it was a new journey. It was a new thing we were believing for, and another level of faith to be stretched, another level of faith. We're, we're around people of faith all the time. But we were tested in the moments where we were discouraged by the circumstance, discouraged by what we heard, discouraged by the government who was also involved in this house deal, discouraged by many different ways, at least for myself. I will speak on my own behalf. But this was my experience, and it was a faith test like none other. And because every single thing that came at us, we were like, all right, God, guess it's just another roadblock. Here we go. Let's pray through it. Let's be diligent. Let's keep tithing. Let's keep doing breakthrough offerings, breakthrough offerings. <laughs> Little did my husband know every week I was doing a breakthrough offering, breakthrough offering. Come on. I don't have any money left, Lord. Come on. <laughs> my breakthrough offering budget is tapped. <laughs> Can I have the flipping house? <laughs> And I can't, I can say the house is now ours, but I also will say it's still a faith journey now to maintain the home. Now to, to this stretch is not over people like the stretch happened and there's more stretch to come, but it's because the more you stretch your faith, the more God brings to you, the more you stretch your faith, it's like this cycle, but then you get strength and you get encouraged. You see what God's done and you're like, Oh my gosh, God can do anything. And then you go after the next thing. And then God does that. And you go over the next thing. And it's like your faith is stretched. Your faith is stretched. And then you test your faith. And then our job is to not sink. Our job is to stay focused and faithful on what the Lord has. People with a come what may spirit have the capability, capability to move ahead in the face of difficult circumstances. Amen. All right, number three. Y'all are making me work out up here. I wasn't this active in the first service. Reconnect with Jesus. Number three, reconnect with Jesus. So what happens with Peter is, he, you, you've heard the story before, but to bring it relative to, to modern day when we're living right now is just this. After seeing all the miracles, spending time with Jesus, being in his presence, testing his faith, Jesus saves him. I'm like, that's enough for me. Like if I went through all that, it'd be like Jesus for life. But then the next thing you know, he's, Jesus rebukes Peter and then Peter denies Jesus. Like I didn't know that guy. I'd never even seen him in a day in my life. Who Jesus, what? Who's Jesus? I don't know that guy. And this is what the Bible says. Matthew 26, 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You, were, you also were with the Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway 
where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. Stop right there. Does your language give away who who's you're with? Who you're with? Does your accent, does your language, does your accent give it away? Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. See, there would be moments in our life where we know we messed up. We know we didn't make the right choice. We know that we denied Jesus. We know that we said, I'm going to do this. And I just ignored the fact that Jesus was there watching me the whole time. But what happens after this is that Peter chooses to reconnect with Jesus. And what does he do? Literally the most devastating moment of his life. He wept bitterly because he knew he just did the wrong thing. And Jesus even told him he would do it. How many times the Lord has told us, be careful, don't do that. And then we do that thing. But my question today is, how do we respond? Do we reconnect with Jesus? How do we respond to our sin? Do we let our sin keep us away from God? And do we keep the mess that we created away from the person who can clean up the mess? Do we run to Jesus or do we run far, far away? Do we say, I'll never go to church because I did this wrong thing? And this could be for things that you did this morning. Not to say we're sitting in a room full of sinners, but just in case. How do we respond to our own sin? How do we respond to our backsliding? How do we respond to our disbelief? Did you know that God tells us to believe? That we're believers. You know, in the Bible, they're called Christians. But back in the day, they were called believers. How do we respond to our disbelief? And then how do we respond to our pain? How do we respond to our pain? Do we press into it, give it to God, ask God to show us, ask God to heal us, or do we step away from God because it's too painful and we just want to cover it up? You know, my daughter, I told this a little bit on Wednesday night, but she had a cavity about a year ago in her back tooth, baby tooth, and it was just a, a small cavity but too big to fill, and so they put a cap on it. And then this past week, she ran up to me. She's like, mom, 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 like freaking out. She doesn't freak out that often. And she said, my cap fell off. And I'm like, okay. And she's like holding it in her hand. And it is full of the most disgusting things you've ever seen. It's so gross. And I look in her mouth and her cavity is massive, like humongous. And it's also full of the most gross stuff. But just to, to show us that when we try to cover up our holes, cover up our pain, cover up those cavities in our life, it only gets messier. It only gets dirtier. At some point, the cap's going to come off and the truth is going to come out and you're going to need to deal with that pain. And I thank God that we are in a church that encourages freedom. I know you heard from the other short, blonde, funny girl last week. <laughs> Pastor Alicia, but that's why we exist as a church is to set people free so that they don't have to live with their pain. Run to God, run to Jesus when you're in a moment of pain. Don't run away. Don't run away. We'll get you. More so, Jesus will get you. What Peter does after this 
horrible situation that, that he got himself in, he goes back to fishing. He's like, well, I don't know anything else to do. I'm going to go back fishing. And he does this. John 21.3. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. And this is when Peter's fishing but catching nothing. No fruit in his life anymore. <laughs> but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. So what Jesus, or sorry, what Peter did was he chose to get back to the place where he first met Jesus. He didn't know what else to do with himself. He was so distraught, so confused, so toiling in the mess of what he created that he went back to fishing. And sometimes in our lives, that's what we need to do. When we're so caught up in a mess that we made with our own hands, or maybe we didn't, is to reconnect with Jesus. Go back to that place. Go back to that moment. Remember to reconnect with Jesus. Don't let that, that sin, that mess up, whatever, keep you out of the calling that the Lord has for you, out of a relationship with Jesus. And oftentimes people will remember the wrong things in moments like these. They will fester on all the things they did, whether it was in the past five minutes or the past five years, to try to convince them that Jesus doesn't want them back. But I'm telling you, that's not the time to remember your mess ups. That's the time to remember what the Lord did the first time you committed your life to him. That's your time to remember the transformational things that have happened on your journey of life and what Jesus has done and look at the fingerprint of God on your life and not focus on the fingerprint of the enemy. All of us are susceptible to the, to the fingerprint of the enemy, but we choose not to focus on that because when we want to reconnect with Jesus, it's not about the past. It's not about the mess. It is about focusing on Jesus and your relationship with him. And what does Jesus do? I mean, goodness gracious. Peter just denied him, like, in the most rude way, like, so many times and said it so harsh and rude. No, I don't know that man. And here Jesus shows up and he brings a miracle. I'm like, we could mess up our lives so bad, deny Jesus, deny God, and that he ever existed in our lives. And then Jesus still turns up with a miracle. Jesus still turns up with love, salvation, the miraculous. God's power works whether you like it or not. God's power shows up whether you're in a mess that you created or not, whether you've sinned or not. God's power is still real and he still wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus is always there waiting for us. A come what may spirit will always reconnect with Jesus. Number four is know your spiritual authority. I love this one. Because beyond being saved, you know, there's so much more to being a Christian. There's so much more. Excuse me. I'll drink to that in the words of our pastor, Liani. Matthew 16, 13. I actually, let's start at 15. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? This is Jesus speaking with Peter. Simon Peter answered, 
You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Remember, Simon and Peter, interchangeable, same person. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Verse 19, the highlight of this section. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. What this verse and passages tell me is that the king, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, binding and loosing, are essential to building the church. He says, Peter, you will build my church and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. In order to build the church, we must be able to access the heavenlies. We must be, access, be able to access the power of God. We must be able to face a situation that we can speak into and pray over and prophesy and bind and loose things, bind things that don't belong there and loose things that belong there. We need to be able to be faced with a demon and say, you have no power over my life. You have no power over my friend's life. We as Christians have access to this power, but it is so under-communicated, it's so underutilized, it's so under-taught. And if there's anything you get from me this morning is this, that you have the authority and the power, if you're a believer, the authority and the power, the same power from Jesus Christ himself lives in you and I. And that you can believe that anything that comes, come what may, but I will use the keys of the kingdom of heaven to overthrow things that do not belong here. And I will use the keys of the kingdom of heaven to release faith over my life, to release peace over my life, to release joy over my life. We live in a world that's craving power. They're craving it and I know this. I had a conversation last night and it just showed me where people are at. And I love this man dearly. He's an incredible leader, human, teacher, incredible person. And he was telling me that there's, there's this new wave coming where people are actually doing these controlled psychedelic drug sessions. And what they're finding is that a lot of the common results, people are meeting God and becoming face-to-face -face with God. Now, I'm not a theology expert, so I don't know if they are actually meeting the real God, but in their version, they are. In their mind, they are. Maybe they are. But I, what I do know is you don't have to take a drug. You don't have to use worldly, external, physical things to access the power of God. And I felt so bad. I was like, but, I could have brought you to Breast East San Marcos, Salt Lake City, like anywhere. I could have brought you to any of these altars, multiple services. We have the keys to the kingdom of heaven sitting right here and people don't even know it. People don't even know it because they're signing up for these weekends where they take drugs and play music with it so that it, they can experience the power of God. The world out there is so desperate and hungry for God. And not only God, they're so desperate and hungry for a personal relationship with Jesus. And what you and I cannot set on our nightstand and leave it there is the keys that we have 
to access all of it on behalf of ourselves and behalf of the world around us. When we know the power and authority that we serve and have access to, we can gain a come what may spirit. And I'm going to close with this. Point number five, respond when Jesus calls. Matthew 4:18, the beginning of this story, Peter's life in the Bible. Obviously he lived before it was recorded, but Peter's recorded biblical life started in Matthew 4:18. When Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. These were plain old people. He's plain old Simon, fisherman. Jesus said, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Verse 20, at once, at once, they left their nets and followed them. No hesitation, no thinking about it. No, hold on a minute. No, hold on next Sunday. No, hold on next time you come by Jesus. I'm telling you, if you've never responded to Jesus, the time is now. Your moment is now. And I want to ask everyone here to close your eyes and bow your heads just as we come to a close. After this um, moment, we're all going to stand to our feet and close with the Come What May song. And what I want you to do after this moment is engage in that worship song and think about what, what may come. Think about the things you're facing now. Think about the things in the context of this message, in the context of this song, and get, get your faith reunited. Get reconvicted in the things of God. And it's gonna be a powerful moment. But right now, as every eye is closed and every head is bowed, I did this same thing as you 16 years ago, but in a boys and girls club with no atmosphere and a keys player who wasn't nearly as awesome as Ruby. <laughs> but everybody's on a journey. And what I can tell you about Peter and the man that he became started with a man who did not hesitate, started with a man who came at once, who followed at once. At once, Peter left his things, left his belongings, left his situation, left his circumstance, left familiarity, left comfort, left everything he knew to follow a man, to follow a stranger, that we now learn about that loves us more than we can even possibly imagine. And so Jesus wants you to follow him. Jesus wants your heart. And so if you're in this place and you need to follow Jesus or recommit, reconnect with Jesus, then on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air without hesitation. I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you for your power in this place. I thank you for healings. I thank you, Lord, for hearts being healed, souls being delivered, Lord. And for anyone that needs to raise their hand. One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus. I see a few hands up here. A couple hands here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. A hand over here. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I'm just going to wait 20 more seconds. Just leave your hand up so that our response team can see you if you raised your hand. If you still need to raise your hand, go ahead and raise it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, God. Can everyone stand to your feet quickly? I'm gonna wrap this service. We're gonna pray with those people who raised their hand. There was about five beautiful people that raised their hand this morning. This is why we do church. This is why we do what we do for this moment so you can experience the transformational power of Jesus and have a relationship like you've never imagined with our Lord and our Savior. So let's repeat this prayer after me. Everyone together, dear God, I thank you for my salvation. I thank you for forgiving my sins. You are Lord over my life. I honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.